The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and my name is Winifred Adams, and I'm here today with Denny Tedesco of the Wrecking Crew Film, and he is the creator and the director of this amazing music documentary, which features not only his father, but a crew of musicians that were known as the Wrecking Crew in the 1960s, and into, well, actually even into today, to some degree, and so they were a special crew of people, and welcome Denny. Thank you. We have just, I've been promising you entertainment all summer long, and this is one of the most special shows about music entertainment in our history in America. Wow, that's pretty heavy. It, no, it's true. It's, you know, this this film just blew me away. It was so, so moving to me. Thank you. And I wasn't even alive when this happened. I right. wasn't here yet, but this is filling in a piece of history for me, and I know for many people out there it's going to relate to them, yeah. because not only did they live it, but people, young people are interested in what happened in music history, and yeah. this is music history. Did you know what you were going to see before you saw the film? I mean, did you have any idea? Yeah, I had an idea, but I didn't, I mean, it really filled a gap for me, because yeah. I took music history, I understood certain things, but you made it come alive. It's real, it's personal, it, it's something that you can touch and feel, All and... Right. You know, this is your life, your family especially. What was it like to dive in and make this about your own dad? Well, um, maybe I should say, tell them what the film it was, Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew which, is, yeah. Which was a group of studio musicians in the 60s. It's a nickname, really, just a nickname. A group of studio musicians in the 60s and 70s. And they, the nickname came from the older guys saying they're going to write the business, play rock and roll. And that comes from Hal Blaine's book, and Hal Blaine, who was one of the greatest drummers of all time. And the reason the older guys said they're going to ruin the business, because a lot of the guys that were breaking in in the early 60s, they were doing recording dates that were maybe non-union, or they were, you know, they were so simple. The older guys didn't want to deal with it. You know, they were you know, low-budget and stuff. Well, because record companies at the time needed session players because they didn't trust the bands to play the music. So they hired these who, these now, guys. Why do you think that was? Why do you think they didn't trust the bands to play the music? Because they were in that they way? were still young. Uh-huh. A lot of these bands were really young, and yeah, they could play. You could play live, but there's a difference between playing live and recording it. There's a sensitivity involved, and especially in those days, because in those days you only had one track. Right. So you could have ten people in a room and a band of five, six. You have to nail it because they're playing they're live, playing and they're playing live together. basically, playing yeah. together, 
and have a certain tone and a certain recordability. No digital Pro Tools here. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, you know, it was funny because one of the guys who was a session player, Glenn Cam- Campbell, obviously, and he said, I was playing with Michael Jordan. And I love this line because he says, I was playing with Michael Jordan, but everybody in the room was Michael Jordan. You couldn't make a mistake. You had three hours is what a session was. Legally, they call it a three-hour session. And you had three or four songs you could do in that session. He said, but you can't slow it up. Mm-hmm. You can't, if, you, if you're going to do one, two, three takes, but if you can't nail it apart, you're blowing it for everybody in that room. You're not just blowing for you're going to blow for yourself because they're not going to ask you back, right? You know because you got you guess what at one o'clock in the afternoon you got another session coming up. Mm-hmm. So you and that's move. amazing. You actually showcased that in the movie how they went from you know morning session to the afternoon session to the evening yeah. session to the late late session in the Beach Boys for example yeah. and and Brian Wilson. Exactly. Yeah, and then what happened is in those early days it started. What happens you can see in the um, uh, what do you call it uh, the uh, billboard in the what do you call uh, top forty? Top forty. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, you could see it in in the top forty hit. So you could see it in the charts in uh, the early sixties. All the music was really in New York, the meaning of pop, rock, and roll. Rock and roll was still in its infancy. It was coming out of London, Detroit, uh, New York, Nashville. So what happens is you slowly see the West Coast start building on this. So the guys here are starting to do their Jan and Dean. They are the Wall of Sound with Phil Spector, uh, the Mamas and Papas, Fit Dimension, um, Nancy Sinatra, Frank Sinatra, Johnny Rivers. Anything that was done in L.A. most likely had these session musicians on it. And it just kind of grew. And then all of a sudden it was like by 67, almost... 80% of the charts are all West Coast based. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a s- slow build and then it just turned. And some of the, the studios that they kind of made famous with this particular wrecking crew were the Western Studio and Gold Star Echo Chambers, is that right? Uh, well, Gold Star, Gold Star was a, a it was this, it was, Echo Chamber was the technique that they had. It was very famous for their echo chamber. Gold Star was Dave Gold and uh, Stan Ross was the partner. And they, it was at Santa Monica Vine. And if anybody knows where Santa Monica Vine is now, it's just a mini mall now. It's, it's really sad. It's kind it's, of tragic in a way. Well, yeah. it is. And it's kind of like L.A. You know, and I, I listen, it's my it home. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of my home. This is my hometown, but this is kind of what kind of what the project's about in a weird way when I think about it now you have your time and you move on mm-hmm. and that's how life is especially in, a, in the arts or or the business of entertainment in a lot of ways that's what it was like then you know hey this studio's moving on it's no longer a studio we'll just tear it down um, times change when did you actually begin this film? Uh, 1996, my father, Tommy Tedesco, mm-hmm. who was one of these guys, he was a guitar player, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. And I said this recently, I said, if they hadn't given him terminal cancer diagnosis, would I have done it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, get to it. But there was something about that terminal, which is really, for some of us who have gone through cancer personally, and our family members, terminal is pretty terminal. <laughs> you know, yeah. when they say terminal, they mean it. Because there's always hope, usually, when right. we're, we have cancer. And I'm a two-timer, I could say personally. Two-time survivor. Yeah. So 
when you hear that word, it was like, okay, so I better jump on this. And I wanted uh, to tell the story of my father, but also it was really about the rest of the group as a group. And we started telling that story in 96, put a roundtable discussion together, which you saw. Was, which is uh, fantastic, by the way. Thank you. You know, I realized, again, things realized... I was influenced by um, that movie, uh, well, Broadway Danny Rose is one of them, where Woody Allen is, they're all talking about Woody Allen as Broadway Danny Rose. And it's a bunch of agents sitting around, just that's what they do. And I realized I never saw my father play, you know, at work. I never went to work with him. Right. You know, but what I did see, musicians hanging out, talking. That's what I knew. So it kind of fit perfectly for me to put him at a round table in a studio, just let him talk. Absolutely. So that was 1996. It was Hal Blaine on drums, Carol Kay, the only woman in the group, on bass, Plaz Johnson on sax, and my father. And basically, we had two cameras going. We started filming them, and that was it. Just I was a voyeur. I wasn't an interviewer. And in a sense, that's what I wanted to be. And I would just let it... I mean, they just go off. They just relived... Those memories, those days, and what I thought was so special about your take in this movie and, and bringing it to life and hitting home is that they got really personal about their reflection. That That's really interesting. And I was saying this the other day. Um, at a certain point in your careers, um, in age, I think we all become reflective and I think we're very honest. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked him maybe 20 years before, then he might not have been as honest. Right. Because you're still in the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. Know, you might and you know have him. to play the game. And you're still playing the game. Yeah. Um, and then also, I think they were open to me because I'm asking them questions that no one's going to ask them. Right. You know, there's that right. one question with Hal Blaine when I go off and do my own single interview with Hal. Hal had a tough... I mean, Hal was the most recorded drummer in rock and roll. I mean, he was the god. And then his life fell apart in a sense, but it was personal. You know, he, he had a bad marriage. Tragic, really. Tragic, you know, and... Yeah, lost He lost everything. everything. And, you know, then he became a security guard, you know, and, and it, but the reason I went to, with, to interview Hal by myself is I knew that tragic part of the story. My father, I remember my father being very bothered by the fact that when he went to... Arizona one time to do a gig Hal was there you know his friend he went to go visit his friend who's a security guard for a moment it's like wow and my father was extremely upset about it so when I went to go interview Hal I went by myself that's why it's the weakest part visually for me because I didn't have a real cameraman Um, I didn't find that skip in it at all oh good I didn't even feel that I, I was so Mesmerized by the fact that this man was at the top of his game and then yeah. sort of lost it all, and it's implied on account of the divorce, on account of the, you know, she well, took it all. In yeah, and, you know, to. and a lot of times, you know, it's funny because, you know, Hal will be honest. He said, "Listen, I have no, I have no, uh, my only regrets in life are personal regrets, not my professional." Um, we were talking about Hal Blaine, you know, when I went to go interview him. You know, I remember him, you know, saying, I have no regrets in life. It's professionally, you know, it's his personal life that, you know, he felt like, you know, he made mistakes, you know, six wives, you know. Um, But, you know, that's part of life. 
I mean, we all, you know, the hardest part about, um, I remember the two favorite lines in the movie for me. And one of them was when I asked Bones Howe, the engineer and the producer, I said, what's it like when you're at the top of the game? You are the, you know, you guys are the A team. You're, you know, producing amazing albums. You're working in the best of the best. And you're not anymore. And he said, well, it's like you're an athlete. You get your ramp up, you're at the top, and then you get the ramp down. And he says, it's not about staying at the top, it's taking that ramp down as long as possible. And I think we're all like that. Um, we are. As a matter of fact, we're going to come back with more about the Wrecking Crew film and Denny Tedesco right here on Making Life Brighter. And you can find us at makinglifebrighter.com and on the radio tab on the player, the archive of this show. You can also go and check out on iTunes in the music documentary section, The Wrecking Crew. And we'll be right back with more of Denny Tedesco right here on Making Life Brighter Radio. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Making life brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health & Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. And today I have special guest, Denny Tedesco. And he is here talking about his film, The Wrecking Crew. And you can see it on iTunes worldwide. And you can buy it and rent it, download it. You can go to thewreckingcrewfilm.com. Is that correct? Absolutely. So you have to check out this movie. This is a piece of our history. This is important for young and old to not only connect with, but educate ourselves. And that's what we're doing here today. And we were just talking about sort of 
of the idea of being at the top of your game and then the fall from grace to, in some cases, and in other cases, how people graduate into a different life after that kind of success. Yeah, I know. It's funny because um, my dad had a great uh, philosophy. He always felt like he was an athlete, you know, in a sense that you're in the minors, then you're in the majors, and then, you know, you got to move on. You know, for him, you know, it was he made great transition because he went from records in the 60s where he was the king in a sense that he was doing so well and then he went into TV and film and that lasted a long time all the way up into the you know late 80s early 90s but as Bones House said it's not about staying at the top it's about taking the ramp down as long as possible and I realized that's being relevant and you don't have to be at any wherever you are in your game you all want to be we all want to be relevant right I don't care what age you are you, know, well, you want to be appreciated still and you want you yeah. you want to feel like you belong yeah like you have a purpose and life. it doesn't matter what your profession is you don't even have you could be a mother you could be yeah. a father you could just want to be that way um, my dad had a you know he was he, he made it when he had the stroke in 1992, I think he had the stroke. And I always remember the last, a few months before he passed. You know, he died of cancer, but I remember him saying the stroke came at the right time mm-hmm. and in his life because he wasn't working as much. Right. Now he had a good excuse. Well, I'm not working because I had a stroke. I can't work. You know, that mentally helped him not being called. Mm-hmm. You know, um... And I think one of the hardest things for me and my brother was he was 62 playing better than he ever played. But, you know, he wasn't being called because, you know, he was called for when they needed Tommy, which was great. You know, you want to be called for that, but it was like, okay, you know what? It's a hard part of reading. Let's call Tommy Tedesco. It's Spanish guitar. You know, it's for the Godfather, for Mandolin or, or Schindler's List, whatever it is, which is awesome. But you also want to be still, you know, relevant to other things. How did your father deal with the accolades that he received and any awards that he got? Because we don't really see that portion of things. Um, I was very proud. He's very proud of the thing, his life. He's very proud of all of it because, you know, he wasn't supposed to be a musician. And he was, you know, in the film. That's a great story. (laughs) Yeah, in the film he was... uh, he, their mom and dad were from Niagara Falls, New York, you know, and if any, you know, not to batter that area any more than they need to be battered, but it's not, it's a rough it's area. Cold there. It's That's cold. What we can say. <laughs> and there's nothing there in Niagara Falls, New York at the time, 1953, right. you know, and they went to a dance in Niagara University, and there was an audition for a guitar player. That happened to be an audition opened up. The guitar player was leaving in their big band that night. So someone said, hey, my friend plays. And all of a sudden, my dad's you know, auditioning that night after the dance. And he's on the road the next day. He goes to L.A., sees what's going on here. Goes And they go around the country, this big band. They get to Dallas. And they basically fire him and uh, the, the singer because they found someone that could do both. Downsized. But my father's pride was so, you know hurt and but also big he didn't want to go back to Niagara Falls and I said to my mom how long was it before you guys moved from Niagara Falls to LA I said it was a year year and a half she goes no it was three weeks <laughs> and it was like we sold our we sold our uh, wedding furniture which we still owed on wow to get cross country 
And so that's and then, a dream. That's the American dream. Yeah, but I think also he was running away. You know, that's an interesting perspective because yeah. he didn't want to deal with you know failure. Mm-hmm. And but he also saw, hey, there's people making a living out in you know in L.A. And so then I asked my mom. Just then she says to me, she goes, that dance that we went to he didn't want to go because he had gotten a job in Pennsylvania with his trio his jazz trio because I asked her I said was dad working a lot as a musician she goes no once or twice a month because there's no work for a musician in the area she goes he didn't want to go to that dance because he actually got a gig in Pennsylvania and I argued with him you have to go because I spent $35 on this dress <laughs> you know so I love you think, all right, what about $35 dress? That changed life. Yes. It was all being at the right place at the right time. It wasn't like an actor. You're an actor and you go, okay, well, you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to New York or you're supposed to go to L.A. As a musician, at the 1953, you don't know what you get. You know, you could teach. Yeah. But it's not something you and do. And it's after the war and the whole, the whole exactly. terrain is different and all the stuff is coming out that's new. And he must have been so happy when he received uh, recognition from back east once he'd actually yeah it was funny there's a really interesting point you said because he was um, a street guy you know he learned you know well for he, anybody who knows Niagara Falls he was a Pine Avenue guy which was the main drag there you know he learned common sense there you know his Italian upbringing um, with a good sense of humor. Good sense of humor. <laughs> uh, showcased in the movie. Yeah. I think with Self-deprecating humor. Very definitely. <laughs> hated a real job. Yeah. You know, like many of us, he hated a real job. I saw, you know, he was, I remember reading in his book where he was 12 years old, got a job in a bakery, and because his mother had a friend or whatever, and he hated it, and he found out that you're not supposed to work at that age. <laughs> so he, he called... He called the business, what do you call it, uh, child services, or said, hey, there's a kid that's working at this bakery. <laughs> he turned <laughs> himself in. <laughs> he turned himself in, and they, and they busted the, well, busted, say, hey, you got a kid working, you can't work here. And they apologized to my father, and said, oh, we're so sorry that you can't work. <laughs> he was really so happy. Now, yeah. I, have a, I have a question about your mom and dad. And the movie spurred all these other thoughts I have about, you know, what yeah. really happened in that time and, and what it was like. But what was it like for your mom and dad after you guys left the nest? And here he had been doing all these great things. And, and how did they then kind of get along? How did they function? Because it was really about her taking care of you while he yeah, was that's out interesting. working. No, I think he was, they were taking, she was taking care of all of us. Yeah. You know, because even but, though dad's working... She was part of it. So so what what happened was work. This is a work ethic. And I think that comes out of World War Two also is, you know, that that era, that age, those parents. Right. Um, When they came to L.A., they only had my older brother. So mom went to found a job at uh, Lockheed. He was working somewhere for a little while and he wasn't. And dad would take care of my older brother at home. But they worked hard. And once he started working, 
calls would you would get your work by people would call the answering service the answering service would call you and say hey we got a job at such and such studio with so and so are you available and mom would take down the you know take it down and says yes he's available boom and that's what it was so she was in a sense home taking care of the family but also taking care of his business wow never questioned it you know because that was part of what we did as a family right um you know, someone said, was it hard for your father to be gone all that time when you're, you know, he's working in the studios or whatever. I don't know any different. You know, it's not like my father was home and then all of a sudden he's gone. Mm-hmm. Dad was just at work. Dad, you know, I didn't know any difference between my father being a musician or a plumber. Because he just, I knew he was a musician, but I didn't go see him play. Yeah. He didn't play an instrument at home. There was no reason to. He was working 12, 14 hours a day. He's not practicing. The last thing he did was ever turn on the radio. He never, you know, he came home, watched TV. I still remember trying to get good reception. Can you move the antenna? You know, yes. And, um, and, but it never happened. That's, That's an interesting take on all of this because it makes it personal to a time frame that we've lost today. You know, we've lost yeah. those kinds of musicians. We've lost at musicianship insofar as not the talent, but how things are recorded, how well, people work yeah. together, and how we have to be the talent. top of your game. And, exactly. You know, and, you know people, and people say, you know, and a lot of times I hear people going, you know, because of the demographic of the music, I hear, oh, they don't make music like they used to. All right, physically, they might not make music like they used to because they had they used to, we had one track, they went into multi-tracks, now there are no tracks because you could keep learning forever. Yeah. Um, but there is a John Lennon out there, a Paul McCartney, and a Brian Wilson, and Jimmy Webb. There are those writers and artists out there. And musicianship is as best as it can ever be, probably. The problem, not the problem, two things. You can't, it's very difficult to find that amazing Paul McCartney again because there's so much to choose from we live in a, a, a world of abundance when it comes to choices and no experts anymore in so far as there's so many there's so yeah, yeah. I mean there's, and there's nothing wrong with it we, 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 as Jimmy Webb said he said the problem he said is nowadays music is segregated when I was growing up on the farm he said in Oklahoma he said I, we only had two stations to listen to and on those two stations you had maybe Motown Sinatra Ray Charles and a country song and whatever all together on the same station so we were influenced by each other or, or what was going on and you had to listen to it you had today. It. you had no choice you don't have you don't listen people no. don't listen if I want to listen to country I just listen to country mm-hmm. if I want to listen to rap I just listen to rap yeah, so. absolutely. Well, you know, when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about Carol Kay because she was featured in the film quite a bit. And, yeah. you know, as the only woman technically of this group and yeah. someone who's so talented and really standing out in her game all right. the way along. And really, I'd like to speak of her as very jolly. She was really jolly. She came across as just really she loves the bass. She loved what yeah. she did. She she enjoyed her life, and I'd like to hear more about what you what you have to say about that because I think that's an important piece and speaks to a lot. I mean, today we have the Sheila E's, we have the insiders like Cat Dyson and people who are guitar experts and, and right. amazing players and musicians in their own right, and people don't know about them, and they're very humble. That's another yeah. thing I've seen. Musicians at that level are very humble, yeah, and quiet, and well, you I don't mean, hear about them much. 
But we're, we'll be right back. Hold that thought. We'll be right back with more Making Life Brighter right here with Denny Tedesco and the Wrecking Crew. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with medical intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now, back to the show with your host, Miss Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and today we have special guest Denny Tedesco, who is the creator of the film The Wrecking Crew. And you can go to thewreckingcrewfilm.com and check it out. You can go to iTunes and buy it or rent it. And this is a piece of history, as I've been talking about. We're having a wonderful discussion today with Denny about his history and his famous father, Tommy Tedesco, who was a guitar player and part of the Wrecking Crew group, which consisted of a number of very, very fine artists who played all instrumentation on many of the hits that we knew of and know of today and they really shaped the musical framework of LA and turned it into the place where music is made even today and so we were talking uh, last about some of the people in the movie and some of the players and um, so what's happened to some of these people today like Carol and Hal and all these people what where are they well, what's going on Hal um, retired went to, in the, uh, in Palm Desert um, unfortunately, he took a fall a few months ago and he broke his arm, you know. But, you know, Hal's retirement, it just, you know, occasionally he'll play, but he's not into it because it's hard for a drummer. It's a physical, you know, thing, and he'll just, you know, but he loves the accolades he's been receiving over the years. Um, there's nothing better than when, uh, who was it, uh, Charlie Watts of the Stones said, I was so disappointed when I heard Hal Blaine was five of my favorite drummers. Uh, you know, and they've always loved, you know, Hal's the drummer's 
god, you know, the god of the drummers. Uh, Carol went into teaching. Uh, Don Randy um, is still, he was the owner of the Baked Potato, he is the owner of the Baked Potato. You know, he opened that jazz club in 1970. He's still occasionally working and recording. Joe Osborne's still recording in Nashville um, or Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. There's still, you know, and the folks that are still able to do it, they do it. You know, it's another, part of them. That's yeah. who they are. Well, that was one of the things I asked all the folks. I said, you know, like Chuck Berghoffer, the great bass player, he's working more than ever, he said. You know, he's 78. You know, and um, I asked him, I said, what's music give to you guys at this age? And says, they can't imagine not being with music. They, it's the reason why they wake up. Yeah. You know, um, I remember asking Bill Medley, um, how can you keep going out and singing, you've lost that love and feeling, you know, you've done it all that, you know, and, you know, he says at 72 years old, he says, I come out on stage and I tell everybody, everybody here, let's throw the 70-year-old body out and let's put the 25-year-old body on stage. <laughs> and that's it. how we all mentally get there. <laughs> and his audience, and as soon as you hear music, it brings you back to that point. Yeah. Um, I remember my father saying, in you know, a few years before his passing, and he said, you know, I'm mentally 24. Mm-hmm. Physically not. The heart doesn't age. No. The heart, especially yeah. if they're having that kind of thing, their heart is not going to yeah. age. It's all about their whole persona and yeah. their their identification with this particular upliftment in the skill. And yeah. when you can combine those two together, I think you have pure joy. Yeah. And, you know, and some people go into aging, you know, better than others. You know, it's how much joy you want to bring into it. Right. You know. You Did know. you find when you interviewed these people that they were joyful? Did you find yeah. that they were grateful for what happened to Absolutely. them? Absolutely. Um, don't forget, they didn't know what people said. You know, they didn't know what they did. They were doing at the time. Yeah. You know, all they're doing is they're not recording hits; they're recording music. Yeah. You know, so they become that those songs become hits months later, years later. So many times they were so busy they had no idea what they had created or produced or recorded. And the only reason sometimes they knew is because they'd be paid for it later or a contract would come and say, Oh, I was on that? Oh, I didn't know that. You know How did they deal with not having been recognized? Oh, they were fine with it. Absolutely because they, it wasn't like they weren't recognized. They were stars. They were stars among themselves. Uh-huh. Meaning not egotistically, but I'm like, you know, when you got Hal Blaine working with I'm working with Hal. I'm working with Earl or I'm working with Tommy. That's kind of gratification if by the day. Like you, if the you're, thing yeah, and the artists, if they're rearranging their recording sessions just to get Tommy or Hal, um, that's when you know you've done it. Yeah. You know, don't give, it's not like my father wanted to be a rock and roller. He wasn't. But God, he was getting paid to play guitar. Yeah. That's just as cool. Consistently. <laughs> you know, and, you know, he played more music than any any band member. Don't yeah. forget, he could be the Beatles or the Stones or the Beach Boys. They're playing the same music every time. My dad, don't forget, my dad went to work three or four times a day. He's given three or four songs a session, so he might be doing 12 different songs, recordings that day, and never see that piece of music again. Who is his favorite artist? Well, I think as coming from where he was coming from, Sinatra. 
because don't forget he's an Italian kid from New York and yeah. he's you know I'm working with Frank you don't have to say your last name yeah um he loved, he loved Sam Cooke. I think he loves Sam. Like, he worked with Marvin Gaye and Sam Cooke different times, but he always loved Mar- uh, Sam Cooke's voice. Yeah. You know? um, you, I'm what sorry. about, what? like, the Stones and people like that? How, he didn't really around? know. He didn't really care. Mm-hmm. And nothing. And he was so busy, he what wasn't listening. He was in it. He was in it, and it wasn't his cup of tea. Uh-huh. Even the Beach Boys wasn't his cup of tea, and he's recording for the Beach Boys. Because I in you know... I think my father, to be honest with you, he wasn't listening because most of the guys on the sessions could care less either way. But the magic is when Brian brought it together. Right. Later, sometimes. So you're not, you're just hearing, all right, whatever, ding, 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 ding. But all of a sudden, he brings in good vibrations and it's a whole different thing what you recorded. Like Glenn Campbell in the film said when I first heard it. Yeah. The the moment I first heard the vibrations, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Wow. You know, those are the things that, you know, you don't hear until later. And my father was impressed by their harmonies, not their musicianship, obviously. You know what I mean? And that's what yeah. he really said. He says, you know, harmonies, he thought they were great. Well, it's appreciating their musicianship, too, Absolutely. and what they to the table. Everybody has their part, and that's what... Isn't that the American dream, that everybody achieves what they they set out to do, but at the same time, from your father's era, if you could do it together, it meant more. Yeah. If you actually participated as a group instead of it, look at me, just about me, like today is all about me, look at me, look at yeah. me. And I think what happens now is recording, um, for those musicians out there that know it, is, you know, there's no chance for um, mistakes to happen. There's no chance of influencing each other in a recording session. Because what you're laying down is the drum track, then you're laying the bass track, you're laying this down. It's a producer's world, in a sense. Right. And that producer's kind of, you know, given the color everywhere which is great but what happened in those days you had to be in the room together so if Hal or Earl Palmer started going this way and maybe Joe Osborne and or Carol follow suit everybody's doing their thing um, that can't happen if you're not in the room together you know so those those you know mistakes didn't happen you know where hey what was that uh, I just messed up no I like it I wonder what would happen or what happened for them for example, when somebody was having a bad day, because really you had to be on. Yeah, sure. You always had to be on. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you said that. Um, there was a couple of questions recently. One was, um, someone said, you know, how you know because of personalities, you know, how did they how did they get along so well? I said, here's the thing. I said, they might have problems with each other. But they're not working with each other all day long. Oh, I see. Do you mean there? There's yeah. ten, twelve guys. There's fifteen, whatever it is. There might be four in a session, five. And they're breaking but up. They're breaking up. Sessions. They're not yeah. with you. You know, you don't get along. I don't have to deal with him. He's not. I'm not. You know, I'm not. It's not like a band. Yeah. Where you have four, four yeah. or five guys every day, same thing. No, you don't have that. But that's what made this so unique. Is because they could step in with any group of people Absolutely. and just pull it off. And. Um, Oh, God, what was it? Uh, I heard a great story. You could use it or not. One of the guys was saying, um, Dad never made a mistake. He was always, he was pretty good with, you know, boom. You know, he was very, he was really, uh, he was a great time and everything else. And they're doing Dory Previn, which is uh, Andre Previn's ex-wife. And she has this big man there. And all of a sudden he says, your father just like, the band comes crashing because of your father. <laughs> And they looked at him like, Tommy, you all right? 
Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, um, yeah, he says, I'm sorry. He says, I was, you know, usually he doesn't, he doesn't listen to lyrics. He says, I don't usually hear lyrics. And I started listening to the lyrics, and he was just so moved by it and this and that, because he's coming out of a divorce and this and that. And, you know, I was just so, I'm sorry, I, you know, I was just moved by it. I said, well, well, let's take a break. We'll come we'll do it again. He said, okay. So they all break, and he walks outside and says, can you hear that bullshit on that? <laughs> Those lyrics were awful. <laughs> and it was so funny. It was so sorry. I mean, sure, hopefully I didn't, you could use that. But it was really funny because it was like, um, they got along. They had fun. The yeah. stories of these guys. It's, it's lighthearted camaraderie, and it comes through in what you showcased in this movie. And they're professional as can be. Right. You know, work comes first, but... Well, to relieve the pressure of that kind of focus, too. I mean, that people don't realize, unless you are in it trying to record music, what it actually takes. I mean, we download a song for 99 cents and think that's cool, but especially in what you're talking about in this movie, you can't make a mistake, really. I mean, if I someone allowed that, and that's what the session called for, like Brian Wilson, where, okay, guys, let's try this, let's try that, yeah, let's yeah. see how you it goes. Yeah, yeah, you have the time and money to do anything you want. Right, but otherwise, hey, you're on. Uh, time is money, and here yeah. we go. And, you know, and... Uh, it's an, I find they're, they were a unique group. I mean, there's always unique groups afterwards, but... Uh, What's the most poignant part of this film for you? It's funny, the most poignant thing about the film is not so much what's in the film, it's watching the film with audiences around the world now. Because when we made the film, yeah, we knew what we were doing, what we thought, we were hoping we knew what we were doing. But the reaction to it blew my mind. Because I realized it affected people in so many different ways, in so many different cultures, so many different ages, that music meant so much to people. And every song is a bookmark in someone's life. Every song means another about someone else's girlfriend, boyfriend, or husband, or child, or whatever. And I think that's what blew my mind. We'll be right back with more The Wrecking Crew and Denny Tedesco right here. You can find it on iTunes Worldwide at TheWreckingCrewFilm.com uh, as well. So we'll be right back with more and Denny Tedesco. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Making life brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. 
See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. We're talking today with Denny Tedesco on Making Life Brighter Radio about the Wrecking Crew film. And tell us, Denny, why did it take so long to actually complete this project? Well, like I said earlier, 96, Dad was diagnosed with cancer, and I quickly jumped into it, and we started filming him uh, and his friends. Dad died in 97, 98. I started shopping this 14-minute VHS tape around. Couldn't get anybody to help, and the reason they kept saying is, you need a lot of music to do this. And... You know anybody I could talk to said you'll never get this done because two reasons the labels and the publishers will probably never come together with a hundred songs plus in it you'll never be able to do it and if you could get them to come together an investor is never going to invest that much money because it's it's a music doc you're never going to make that much then then <laughs> well yeah. even now right? there's a question about it now you know everybody assumes oh they're going to make a lot of money well music docs might only make a, if you're lucky, a hundred thousand. That's a lot. Then, uh, yeah. So with a lot of work that goes in, with a lot of work, and, you're, and we're not even talking about you know that's just music rights. They say you'll never do it. So basically, we stuck it out. With my wife and I, we just kept going, going. Someone said, "Who were your angels?" I said, "Well, other than people that donated, the other angels were Wells Fargo, Visa, Mastercard, Countrywide. That was it. I, we just you know blew it." We borrowed, mm-hmm. and um, we got to the point where we had to make a film. We made the film in 2008, cut it, did really well in all around the world, you know, different festivals, but I couldn't release it until I paid off that mo- uh, that money or that the licensing for 110 songs. Wow. So once we did that, then it's like it took us years. You know, we did it through donations and fundraisers and crowdfunding. And once we got to that point, then we went with Magnolia Pictures. I said, would you guys be interested in seeing it again? And they, they said, yeah. And that's led to a release. What a blessing. Now, what about the music of all of this? Is there going to be music that can be... In about a month, we're actually, we have a soundtrack. Yeah? Yeah. Great. So we that's three CDs filled with uh, hits all and right. some interviews. And then the fourth CD, we call it Crew Cuts, mm-hmm. which are uh, songs from their own guy, their guy's own albums. Fantastic. So, Where can people find those? Breakingcrewfilm.com. All right. It'll be there in about, that'll be there in a month. But the, the great thing is we found a release for this film, you know, the Magnolia said, we'll do five theaters, maybe, you know, around cities, and we got to 175. And then it and went... it keeps ar- growing. Yeah. I just showed it in Mexico. I've showed it in, in London. It opened up there. It's around it's the world. It's going to be in Scotland next week, right? Is it? I is think it? so. I think that says yeah. on your website that the, you're sh- showing in Scotland. I think it's Actually, Aberdeen, basically, right? Yeah, and you, yeah. you can go onto the website, wreckingcrewfilm.com, and check out all the places that 
it's showing maybe near you, or you can create a showing, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I did. Um, I've been doing, like, you know, you know, in house screenings. You know, if it's, you know, or, you know, charities, you know. Obviously, I can't keep doing it for free anymore or, or doing it for, you know, but I love showing this film. What's your motivation behind continuing that much of a push? Because it must be time-consuming It well. is time-consuming, but there was, you know, there's two th- motivations. The one was always, you know, tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you asked... You what know, do you want people to take away from that, I guess, is my question. To realize musicians, especially this period, any musician, they're working. They, you know, they deserve to be respected, but also paid. I mean, it's not just about that story, but, you know, they made a living. They put their kids through school. You know, they had families, just they happened like like all of us. Well, I was a musician's kid, but do you know what I mean? In people's, you know, the arts are something very special. And uh, I think people take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the DVD, uh, you know, when in two th- 1990, no, 2006, my editor Claire Scanlon says you got to stop interviewing people we can't put everybody in this but we never stopped <laughs> you know That's I kept <laughs> yeah I have six and a half hours on the DVD as outtakes yeah so all those people that didn't make it Bill you know on the actual film I got Bill Medley Richard Carpenter uh, Barry McGuire Petula Clark Jackie Shannon they're all on the DVD and people can get that on the wreckingcrewfilm.com yeah. as well. I think I'm proud as I think that's what I'm one of the most things I'm proud about about this film is the optics because people would say, Oh, you know, why can't I be in well you are gonna be in it. As far as I'm concerned, the movie's a trailer for the D V D. Because I think everybody's voice can be heard and you know, and you never know what you're gonna get. Leon Russell didn't come on until six months before we had our final. He was cut. fabulous, by the oh way. Oh my god, <laughs> he, was, he, he was hilarious. In the film, he's a, a bit like a laid-back spark plug, if you will. He's oh, absolutely. Kind of <laughs> and that was the thing about you know about Leon. Leon was honest. Yeah. You know, Leon didn't want to do this because his he said, "Oh, it's a bunch of BS." That wrecking crew thing. He was right. There is no, maybe there is no name, but it's not about that. It's about that time period. And once he understood what I was going to, what I wanted to do, and his friends, you know, convinced him, he was fine. I had to go to Nashville, but he was so honest. And that's what I wanted, is honesty. Hey, it's not always love and cheer and great music. Right. You know, Dad went to work. And he's, you asked about, did he was he appreciated? He was appreciated among the others. Was did he want to be paid more? He said, no, I got paid very well. He said we made hundreds of hits, but we made thousands of bombs. Mm-hmm. I never gave anybody their twenty five dollars back. It was what he did. He went to work like everybody else. Did he have to enjoy the work? No, he didn't have to. Enjoy, he loved working. He didn't have to love the song. You do your best. He says, I play for smiles. If the guy's smiling, great. If I think it's wrong, it doesn't matter. He's paying the bill. You're not selling out. You're 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 given a job to do. You yeah. know, it doesn't mean you always know what's right. So, what's next for you in this project? Because it sounds like you're current and invested in it, both with the music coming out, the DVD picking up steam. Yeah. I just um, I just need to basically to the end of the year just really work it to make sure it gets out there. Of uh, you know. Someone asked, are you got something else in the works? Nothing at this point. I can't take my family and friends down this road again by self-financing, you know. And so I need to make sure, you know, 
as an artist or as a as a father and you know I have to make sure we get you know what we put into it out of it so I need to make sure I do that do you play no do you wish you play yeah, absolutely do you wish you play with your dad absolutely yeah if uh, you could play what would you play um oh it doesn't matter yeah I really I'm so envious of every musician friend I'm envious of Ryan who's shooting this <laughs> he can play things in, in you know I can't play anything. I can't get past yet. the third chord right. yet. Right. Yeah. Yet. And that's one of the things I'm always... That's why I finished the film. Because I quit every instrument. And I didn't want that to be on my shoulders or my tombstone. He quit all of these things here, you know, from guitar to saxophone, piano to accordion uh, to this film. And I didn't want to be that part. You know, I wanted to finally finish something, and that's why I wasn't giving up. So when the film got to that point, we crossed that line of spending everything we had on it. What do we do? we got to finish it, or we'll never know. That's brilliant, really. You know, and that was it. And then we got to that point of, okay, now what? The film got great reviews. Now what? Do we quit just because we can't find an outlet? Or do we take that one step further and figure a way to do it? Well, it's also speaking to the fact that you did this for a purpose. You did it for a reason, no matter if one person saw it, ten people saw it. Exactly. You know, you you have to be honest to the project and to yourself in it. Yeah, absolutely. And you asked about, uh, you know, some of the greatest moments, like when I remember doing 20 minutes at the Hall of Fame and showing just outtakes. Not even outtakes. It was just a rough 30 minutes. And uh, Hal Blaine was with me, and he had never seen it. And one of the reasons I didn't show it to him because I didn't want him, you know, to basically, what if he didn't like it before uh, the screening? Well, we're we're going to hear more about that on the outtake on YouTube, and you can go to makinglifebrighter.com on YouTube and check out the rest of this interview. Thank you so much for being Thank here you. today. I have one quick question: What makes your life brighter? Um, my children when they laugh. Ah, fabulous. Denny Tedesco and the Wrecking Crew and the Wrecking Crew film and more on YouTube. And you guys can check it out at makinglifebrighter.com. And this has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us. The Wrecking Crew, everybody. Go buy it today. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.